You know, it's, it's amazing. I, I told you the other day that in the Bible, um, there are scripture that points to that 20 years um, represent um, completion in waiting. I don't know how significant that is, but we have some scriptures that you can look to and you'll see after 20 years, the wait time was up, so to speak. And I don't know what that means in this year. I don't know if it even correlates or anything. So don't quote me on the pastor said this. I'm not saying any of that. But it's interesting how the Lord has impressed upon my heart that we're getting ready to experience a certain kind of liberty in Christ. And so I don't know how that correlates, but I just know there's something there that I can really trust that God is going to do in making us free in him. John chapter 17 we're going to read verse 1 through 12. I'm going to read aloud. You follow along. Read along with me because there are some things that as I go along, I might want to explain to you. And so I want you to follow through and not just listen to me, but follow in just looking overhead or looking in your Bible or your iPad or your phone, whatever you use. Amen. John chapter 17, verse number 1 says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Jesus getting ready to pray. Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. Somebody stop with me and highlight, pay attention, underline that scripture. Verse number three says, and this is life eternal. Isn't that what most people shoot for? I want eternal life. I, I, want, I, I want eternal life. I want to go to heaven. Isn't that what most people say? I want eternal life. I want to go to heaven. Well, here is what Jesus said that needs to happen. And this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Remember I told you that most places you go, when you when when they try to describe faith to you, articulate faith to you, they're going to tell you faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that's a scripture, but that still is not faith. That's a description of faith, but that is not faith. And I've told you that. Then some people say faith is believe. And I told you that can't be faith either, because how many times did we really believe and what we believed didn't happen? So that can't be faith. And I told you that faith is this, having the knowledge of who God is, that God is fully God and fully man in the man Christ Jesus. When you understand that and you know that, that is faith and you have now possessed faith because faith must be something that you understand and can hold on to and possess so faith is what this says to have life eternal you must have faith but what is faith that you might know the the only true god there's only one true god jesus christ whom thou hast sent when you come to know the true and living god jesus christ you have possessed faith. 
And you know why that's so significant? Because if you understand how Almighty God became a man, then you understand that that's incredible. And I, I have no idea how that can be done. But he did it. And if he can do it, then it means that there's nothing he can't do. That's why it's so powerful. And that's why people are arguing about Trinity and the oneness. And why is this right? And why you hear preachers preach about this one God all the time is because we want you to understand that you get the knowledge that God is one and that he's the almighty who manifested himself in the man Christ Jesus. When you know that, nothing can stop you from walking with God because you will know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You will know if God, the almighty who knows all things, who created all things, who sees all things, who's present everywhere that God became to dwindle down himself some kind of way to become human and cease not from being that almighty and still exists as the almighty yeah that God when you know that and you understand that you have possessed faith and nothing can stop you so when this scripture says that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. When you know that, you are all right. Because when the devil try to trip you up, you're going to say, I'm not worried about you. Because what God has done by becoming a man, giving his life, letting them crucify him, then raising himself from the dead, and then ascending back. Oh, if he can do it, why would I worry about anything? That's what keeps us. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished thy work which thou gavest me to do. Huh. Let's read it again. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name Unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Can I just point this out real quick? There's a theme here going on. Remember, I try to tell this church, learn the ways of God. Yes, you want to understand the word of God, but also learn the ways of God. Because when you don't know, at least you can operate and function according to his ways. So what you have seen here is a theme. You give me, I give you. You give me, I give you. It's all about yours is mine and mine is yours. 
So he's showing us a pattern of how he does things. When you receive, you give. When you receive, you give. When you give, you receive. It's a back and forth. And anytime we're holding on and not having that exchange going on, we're not functioning the way God intends for us to function. So when you hold on to his word and never give it out, when you hold on to his blessing and never give it out, you're not operating the way he intended for you to operate. Back and forth. There must be a flow in your life if you're going to be a child of God. you got to give and receive. you got to give. It can't stay with you because God intends for it to keep going and he can't stay with you. That's what Jesus was showing us. And I'll tell you that in a second about what you need to learn about that. And now I am no more in the world. But these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Church, I want you to understand this. Jesus Christ is God Almighty in the flesh. Don't mistake him operating in the flesh to say he, well, well, he's separate. Because most of what you will understand from this, he's trying to show us what the relationship should be with us and the Father. And so he has to, it has to be worded and to be displayed and to live out in the way you and I will live out our relationship with him. So, well, if he's God, why is he praying? Because he's showing us as human what you're supposed to do. So don't confuse that he is praying and you're saying, if he's almighty God, why is he praying? He is in human form as almighty God. And every human must pray who calls themselves a child of God. Why did he get baptized? He didn't need to get baptized. Because we got to get baptized. This is what he's living out in front of us. So we will have no excuse as to why we live the way we live. Because he is living this thing out to say, this is how you pray. This is why you pray. This is what you must do. So he's saying, I'm not just telling you in my word, but me manifesting myself in a human form, I'm going to show you. So don't confuse it thinking he's separate. That, that, oh, he Jesus and God is not separate. He is just showing you the role that must be played as a human and a human worshiping God. I wish I can take questions, but I can't. Jesus, have your way in this place as you already are moving and you already are speaking. I pray now, Lord God, that the hearers will hear and their hearts will be touched and pricked by the power of God and that there will be impartation that we, Lord, can apply the word of God and take our rightful place in you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray today that we will not leave this place the same way. 
but the power of God will overshadow us and miracles, signs and wonders will begin to take place in our lives individually and in this church. God, I can sense your power and your presence. I can sense the gifts of the Spirit. Oh God, they're ready to be operated. Now, Lord, I pray that you will move on every individual who will let you work. Somebody here be under the sound of my voice today. If you will open up your heart to God, He wants to work in you. He wants to work His work in your life, but He wants you to yield yourself. And whatsoever He is doing, just say, God, let it be so. God, have your way in my life. God, do whatever you please in me. God, I yield to you. I submit to you in obedience. I submit to you in surrenderance. God, I understand you're all-powerful. I understand you're all-knowing. I understand you're present all place all at once. I understand you're the creator of all things. I understand you're the giver of life. I understand that it's you that sit on the throne and you reign forever. I understand, Lord God, that life is in your hand. I understand, Almighty God, that there's coming a day when you will descend and you will hang in the sky and you will call your church home a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. I understand that we will be caught up together to meet you in the air and so shall we ever be with you, O God. I understand it, Lord God, but as we're here today, I pray the purpose of God will overtake us. The power of God will be manifested in us and we will go forth, Lord God. Oh, Father, marching orders, will you put it into our hearts today? Will you impart it unto us that, Lord, the fire of the Holy Ghost will burn. The power of God will move us. Faith will begin to increase and not fail. That we, O God, will become bold and the authority of God will be upon us and we will begin to call those things that are not as though they were because you have said it so. God, we're asking to be that church that's a light that will shine bright, that will do the will of God and not do our own will. Have your way today, O God. We love you. We bow down to you. We worship you. We proclaim and declare your will, your way, your word. And we praise you, O God, for these things we pray in the precious and majestic and powerful sovereign heavenly name of Jesus. Will somebody give the Lord some praise? Will somebody shout unto him? Will somebody lift their voice and clap their hands and let Jesus know that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords in your life. You may be seated. Thank you. There is a progression of spiritual maturity that must take place when one surrender his or her life to Christ. Today, I've entitled this message, That We May Be One. That we may be one. After one comes to the understanding of who Jesus is. 
that he's God Almighty manifest in flesh, which we have so explained that that is faith. After you understand that, that should move you to repent of your sins. Because when you understand who Jesus is, what you understand is he gave his life in exchange for your life. When you understand who Jesus is, you understand I don't have to live bound and in bondage and trapped. And I don't have to live according to the controls of this life and of this world. And so you understand that. And because you understand that, you live your life in a different way, which is repentance of sin. And which is I, I get baptized in the name of Jesus. Listen to me carefully. If you have been going to church for any amount of time and you were baptized and when they baptize you, they say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That is incorrect. And if you were baptized that way, you need to be re-baptized so you can be baptized in the name of Jesus wife if you get married to a man and and you married to the man and 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 you stand before the preacher as he have you to repeat your vow this is what I will say to you he didn't say do you so-and-so take this husband he says you take this man and he goes on as he repeat the vows the name is what you must take on eventually. So if if names are what we take on, then we got to make sure we don't get baptized in a name. We in a title, we get baptized in the name. So if you are baptized at some point in the titles of Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you must be rebaptized and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because. You have to take on the name of Christ when you're saved. God is a title. And guess what? There's a lot of gods in this world. So you don't want to just get baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. What is that? Everybody, you can go any place to find Father, any place to find Son. And then, you know, Holy Ghost, you know, there's people that's calling the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, and it's not the Holy Ghost. But once you come to that understanding to know who Jesus is, your heart, your soul should be prompting you to say, I need to give my life to God. Uh, now I can see what he has done for me. If you read the book of Acts chapter 2, somewhere in verse 36 through 37, it says that when Peter preached to them, it says when they heard the word, they were pricked in their heart and said, man and brethren, what shall we do? So when you come to understand the reason why they were pricked in their heart, because Peter says, do you know that the man you crucified is both the Messiah and God? They said, you kidding. I'm just giving you the virgin today. You kidding. He was Messiah and God. That was the one that was prophesied about that was going to come and say, that's who we crucified. Oh, Lord. How do we erase that off our record? Oh, the Holy Ghost is working. Some of us have done wrong, got a record, and you're trying to get a job or move forward in life and that record keeps coming up. What do they tell you to do? Oh, somebody in the house knows what's going on. They say, go get an expunge. 
And we understand that language. If I want me a good job after I commit a crime, I need to get that record expunged so my record can be clear so I can get a good job. When you repent of your sins and you get baptized in Jesus' name, your record get expunged. So if you want to walk around here with the record that's stopping you from being who you need to be, from accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish, it's on you. Because all you got to do is go to the Lord and say, God, I want my record expunged. Will you forgive me of my sins and get baptized in his name? He promised to wash away your sins. And when you raise up, he promised he will infill you with his spirit. You can get your record expunged. Why walk around with a record that's preventing you from being who you need to be? Some of us have gotten frustrated with people. They won't hire me. I can't believe it. We say, okay, no, your record is why they won't hire you. But I'm telling you today, uh, Jesus wants me to say something in this place. uh, And I'm following the leading of his spirit. Uh, If you will surrender your life to him, uh, your record will be expunged. uh, And you won't have to worry about what you did in the past. uh, Because the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, it will cover your sins. uh, It will remove your sins. uh, And nothing can stop you. For what God will have you to do. I love the Lord. I, I, I know that once I surrender to Him, I don't have to worry about anything because whatsoever I was born in this world to do, once I surrender to Jesus, He will be certain to work in my life and accomplish His will in my life. I just gotta recognize who He is, that He's God Almighty, and He has given His life in exchange for my life. Oh, I love the Lord. Uh huh. He's a good and wonderful God. Not, not, not like Him. And so, after we come to that understanding, we should give our life to God. We shouldn't hesitate one bit, but to give our life to God. But once we do that, give our life to God. This, this is what I want you to focus on. Now we talk about. Once you understand who he is, what you're supposed to do. Once you do that, now starts what we call spiritual formation. Another word for spiritual formation is spiritual growth. Another word for spiritual growth is spiritual maturity. So when you hear me say formation, growth, maturity, because once we turn it over to him, by surrendering, being born again, now we must grow. Similarly, when you give birth to a child, they don't stay a baby. They have to start growing. So why do we think? Why are we trying to play God? Why are we trying to play him? We want to stay a baby all of our life. And, and he's supposed to accept it. Let me tell you something real quick, in case you don't know this. Don't play God like he's a punk. We got to stop telling God, take this. Like he's some punk. Like he doesn't understand what's going on. Now, let's stop that. Once we surrender our life to him, 
repentance, baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and start walking in his purpose, he expects you now to start coming up. Remember, he has set all things in order. Life came from him. And he didn't create the human to stay midget, kid, not grow. And if, he, if the natural has to grow, the spiritual has to grow. And so we, as the people of God, that have surrendered our life, we can't sit back in the cut and put our foot up and say, God is good. He understands. No! He's not raising you to stay a babe. He's raising you to be mature in God. We got to realize that. And so we're going to have to have spiritual formation in our life. Followers of Jesus Christ will have to go beyond society's understanding of spiritual growth. All right, let me talk plainly and not give you a preacher talk. That was preacher talk, all right? Let me give you a plain talk. Stop trying to think you can grow spiritually according to God's word and people will be in agreement with you. That's the big problem. We start going to church. We start listening to the preaching. We start praying, reading our Bibles. We get involved in Bible study. And now God is trying to do this. And you're trying to get people to understand what's going on in your life. I want to know which of you in here that has been living for God for any amount of time, that when God called you, he called your best friend right beside you. I want to know who, because I know all too good about that. When God called me, I'm rolling with my boys. I'm chilling. And when he called me, I'm like, I'm by myself. I'm just saying, you you tell me, if you've been living for God any amount of time, you tell me if when God called you, your best friend was right next to you. Because the bottom line is, God is calling you. And you must answer the call as to what God wants to do in your life. So you can't live for God trying to get people to understand. Everybody has to walk their own walk in Christ. The Bible says work out your own salvation. So when God calls you, you've got to walk with God the way God wants you to. And you can't be trying to say, well, you know, I am not having no conversation with anyone that's not understanding what God is doing in my life. You hear me talk about this. I answer people when they ask me questions according to their motives. Preacher, how you know their motives? I can know their motive. I got the Holy Ghost. And so when you start asking me questions, I know if I should just ignore you or I should talk to you. And so if, if, if God is moving in my life and transforming my life and you saying, hey man, what's going on with you? I see you, you used to do this. You don't do this anymore. Can you explain that to me? What's going on? I'll talk to you. But the ones that say, yo man, you can't even come by no more. You ain't got to drink with us, just sit with us. Oh, I know that all too well. You don't know that like me. I know that better than you times and times over. When I gave my life to Christ, my friends in the world said, you don't have to drink with us, just sit with us. I said, nope, not even doing that. 
Not even doing that. I told you about the story. I was, I was, I was so sold out that my friends got tired of asking me to come to the party or come to the bars till one day they said, you know what, Wayne? We gonna go to a nice dessert place. Still in Princeton. Small wonder. They said, since you won't come to the bars anymore with us and we miss your company, let's just plan to go to a dessert shop in Princeton. And we went to the dessert shop and we had espresso and cappuccino and coffee and tea and we ate whatever we ate, cheesecake, whatever, and we never went to the bar anymore because when God called me, I couldn't explain it to nobody. I didn't have time to waste and tell you what God is doing because I myself didn't even know what God was doing. I was just walking by faith and not by sight and doing what God said do. We're not going to be able to please and explain to God, to people, what God is doing. It doesn't work that way. So let me help you today. Forget about it. Forget about trying to explain to people why you do what you do. Just love them. So, when you just love them, here's what happened when you love them. They still want to be around you. Even though they know. So now what they will do is when they go do their bad stuff, they stay away from you. But when they want to do good stuff, they come around you because you love them. So they still want to be around you. But now they know I can't bring you around when we're doing bad. But don't keep them away and don't love them. Don't say, get out of my face. I don't do that. I go to church now. The devil is a lie. Don't do that. Oh, my goodness. We, that, that drive me crazy. Don't do that. Just, just, just be smart and say, I have no idea what God is doing in my life. I'm just following what he's doing. I can't do this and I can't do that. This is what I do now. But I love you and I like to hang out with you. But I just can't explain what God is doing. Right? Don't go trying to be all mean to them and like, you need to go to church. I went to church. Because I know my life wasn't no good, so I went to church. You need to go to church. Don't do that to people. They don't want to be around you when you start doing all that stuff. Spiritual maturity or spiritual formation is the process of maturing in the faith. Maturing in Christ. That's spiritual maturity. Spiritual formation calls us to see salvation as more than a means of escape. I know that went over a few people's head. But I I promised myself I'm going to preach real slow this year because I want you to get it. So what does that mean, preacher? Spiritual formation calls us to see salvation as more than a means of escape. Most people start out coming to church. Because they sense or they can tell that something is wrong in their life. So they start coming to church. Why? Because you're trying to get out of that situation. You're trying to make your life better. So most people started coming to church to escape whatever it is they're trying to escape. You don't have to say amen. It's okay. So we start out like that. We cannot continue like that. And unfortunately... That's how we continue. Oh, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled. I'm glad I don't drink no more. I'm glad I don't smoke no more. I'm glad I don't do the stuff that I used to do. And that's cool. But that was all about you. 
what you are glad you don't do anymore. I'm glad I don't drink no more. I'm glad I don't party no more. I'm glad I don't. Okay. That was all about you. That's cool. When we going to move on to maturity? Because understand this. I'll give you natural and spiritual again. Babies are selfish and they need to be selfish because they can't take care of themselves. If you stay selfish and make it about you, you automatically raise your hand and says, I'm a baby. That's that's what you're doing. So when you're supposed to be spiritually mature, but 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 you but but you don't allow God to work in your life, you stay a baby, and so you make everything about you. So just understand this: if you can look at your spiritual walk and realize that I'm glad I don't drink no more, I'm glad I don't smoke no more. Oh, I, I'm glad this is the way I live now, and you know everything is about how you're doing it. Whether you admit to it or not, you're a spiritual baby. And it's probably not the will of God because the spiritual baby is okay when you just gave your life to God. But if you've been doing it for a minute now, you can't be a spiritual baby. So we have to move past, I'm glad I don't drink no more. I'm glad I don't smoke no more. I'm glad I don't go to those places no more. That's how we start out. To escape those places. We cannot continue like that. Because if we continue like that, it means we're not developing spiritually. Yes. Sacred escapism causes us to look away from Christ and to focus on self. I'll say it again. Sacred Escapism causes us to look away from Christ and focus on self. Yeah, because when we say, I'm glad I don't drink anymore, I'm glad I don't smoke anymore, we never slip Jesus in there. We never say, Jesus delivered me from drugs. Jesus delivered me from alcohol. Jesus delivered me from a life of immorality. Jesus delivered me from this. We don't say that. I'm glad I don't drink anymore. I'm glad I don't smoke anymore. I'm glad I don't live like all you. Because we built our salvation on an escape thing. I got to escape that sinful world. I got to escape this because I got to go to heaven. I got to escape this kind of behavior. So we based our walk in Christ to escape this and escape that. Uh Uh-huh. And God is not about escaping anything as a matter of fact you'll see as we get into the text here and begin to finish this thing up you'll see that when he came into the world he came here to train people to continue what he started remember what i've said to you if the root of christianity or the journey of christianity to go to heaven is all about escape Guess what will happen when you repent of your sins, when you get baptized in Jesus name, when he fills you with the gift, the day you say blah, 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 and was talking in tongues, you just begin to ascend to heaven. You will be out of here. If that's what God intended for your life, that you get saved and go to heaven, then you will, the day you receive his spirit, would be the day you ascend to heaven, if that's what God wanted for your life. So that's, that's important to know 
that we have to continue in Christ. We have to grow in Christ. We have to become mature in Christ. We have to live out this thing that God has called us to do. John chapter 17 verse 11 says, And now I am no more in the world. That's what Jesus is saying now. But these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. John 17 and 12 says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in my name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Let me teach you real quick something before I get out your way. Jesus said, a couple of things, I have kept them and none of them is lost. But the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. So there are some people that have built the doctrine on this text right here. What's the, what's the doctrine? One save, always save. Listen to me, church. This is so important because Judas Iscariot always make me reiterate this. Somebody is going to be Judas. Just don't make that somebody you. You remember the ten virgins? Five wise and five foolish? Listen, because nobody or nothing is perfect but Jesus. There's always going to be a portion, a segment of our population that's going to not follow him. So let's get past thinking that, oh, it's already preordained what will happen in your life. No. You determine what will happen in your life. And so the bottom line is, Judas didn't have to be Judas. We could have been saying, John, the betrayer. John was the son of perdition. We could have, we, we could have said, Bartholomew is the son of perdition. We could have been saying that Andrew is the son of perdition. But it turned out to be Judas. So, what happens it's predestinated. Who it happens to is not predestinated. All right. I just thought I'd throw it in there just so you understand that you can't hold on to just thinking that I don't have to do anything because it's already a done deal. Not true. You will make it true however you live your life. Uh-huh. That's our work. You make it true. God don't say, all right, and pick somebody out and say, yeah. I'm just going to let them be Judas. Why would he do that when he wants everybody saved? He's not going to look at you and say, I don't like how you look. Let's make you Judas. It's not the way it works. He says, somebody will betray me. It was prophesied. For 30 pieces of silver, somebody will betray me. You just have to say, I can't let that be me. Somebody in this congregation may not make it to heaven. Just because when we deal with the statistics, it's just a fact. There's not 100% of anything. It's always some segment that's just, just not lining up. You just have to say, it won't be me. Uh-huh. No matter how mature we become in Christ, we will always need him to keep us. 
That's what Jesus says. I've kept them. You need keeping. You can't do this on your own. John chapter 10 verse 28 says this. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. So I've been saying this for years. Nobody can take you away from Jesus. But you can walk away from Jesus. Because the lover of our soul don't try to make you stay. Somebody's supposed to be your husband and be your wife and they're trying to leave. You can't make them stay. You can't make them stay. You, you just got to say, I love you and I prefer that you not go. That's how Jesus operates. Because Jesus says, I died for you while you were yet a sinner. So Jesus says, I love you. I don't want you to go. I really gave my life for you. Will you stay? But if you decide you want to go, he's not going to stop you. He's not going to say, oh, no, you're not leaving. No, 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 no. Don't, don't try to let nobody. Don't know. Because they'll stay and make you miserable. <laughs> my father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Verse 30. I and my father. He's saying, he's showing us what depending on where your mind is. He said, you can't pluck them out of my hand. That's what Jesus said. You can't pluck them out of my hand. And then he says, you can't pluck them out of my father's hand. So it doesn't matter. But the bottom line is, me and my father, we won. So you can't pluck them out from us. One God. Somebody say one God. Don't get it twisted. That we may be one. And so I finish by saying, Jesus' relationship with the Father exemplified what our relationship should be like with Him. So we're getting all into it because we're not realizing that what He's trying to show us, what He's placed before us, what is, what is so obvious we're overlooking, and what is so obvious is Jesus wanted to live out a life in Christ and calling Himself, which is the, the, the Almighty God called himself Father, so we can see the whole Father-Son, so we can see the whole relationship that is going on back and forth, and we're overlooking and thinking he's two people. He's not two people. He's trying to show us how we should live our life, live out our life. If we individually and corporately mimic the relationship of Jesus and the Father, we will then be one with each other, unified and one with Him. I'm closing. When we are one with each other in Christ, we are the body of Christ. When we are unified together, we are the body of Christ. When we are 
are together and unified. We are the body of Christ. Church, I'm not here to tell you every day you need to be in church. But I am here to tell you, if you're going to be the body of Christ, you have to be where the body assembled. You can't say, I'm a part of the body, and you won't assemble with the body. It means you've been cut off from the body. If your tongue is not connected, it is not a part of the body. If your finger is not connected, it's not a part of the body. But everything that's connected to the body is a part of the body. We want to be a part of the body of Christ, but we want to do what we want. We want to go where we want. We want to stay home when we want, but we can't be the body like that. We can't be the body like that. We've got all our methods set up in our mind. We've got all of our excuses already programmed in our mind. So we go ahead and do what we want because we already have the built-in excuse how we're going to say it, what we're going to tell them. Because guess what? This is the way it works. Church, get over it. Your ways are not his ways. You're going to have to learn that you're going to have to do it his way if you plan to make heaven your home. If you plan to enter into eternal life, you're going to have to do it his way and not your way. Here's the little secret. The people that are committed to Christ, walking with Christ and living for Christ, have the same struggles you have, have the same challenges you have. And when you don't do what you're supposed to do, it didn't mean yours was a little harder than theirs. Oh, that went over your head. Everybody in this room had the same challenges. Yours are not harder than mine. We all have the same challenges. And when you choose to live and do the way you want to live and do, don't walk away saying, Well, nobody understands my situation because my situation is really hard. That's what you're telling yourself so you can keep doing what you're doing. Everybody have the same challenges because we are all humans. We all live in this world. We all got to deal with the struggles. We all have this flesh that we carry around everywhere we go. All of us have the same struggle. Some just choose to push through and fight and try to do what God wanted them to do. And others just decide, I'm not doing that. Your excuse is not good enough for God. This is one of the reasons why he chose people to minister to each other. Because we all got to deal with the same things. And he's saying, go minister to your brother because your brother needs to know that you and him are the same and go through the same things. You just happen to push through. Go minister to your sister because you want her to see that you and her struggle the same way, but you just push through. That's why he's not walking around here telling everybody what to do. He's going to let fallible people minister to fallible people. It's more impactful that way. We all can see we all are struggling. We all can see we all are going through it. But we just have to hold on to Christ. Uh, We all have to say, i got to trust Him and do what He wants me to do. When we are one with Christ, He leads, we follow, because He's the head. So Christ is the head of the body. And when we assemble ourselves together, we are the body and we become one with him because the head takes the body wherever the body has to go. 
the body follows the head, not the other way around. And so I want you to stand to your feet and let me tell you this. How do we become one with Jesus Christ? How do we become one with Jesus Christ? How do we become one as a family of God? The bottom line is, we're going to have to come together regarding the things of Christ if we're going to be united as people. And whatever the body is doing, if you're a part of it, you should be doing the same thing. Whatever the body is doing, if you're a part of the body, you should be doing it. We have calendars. Look at the calendar. See what the body is doing. The Bible says God chose pastors after his heart. And what God knows is he knows what kind of pastor to, to, to send you to for that pastor to minister to you so you can be saved. God decides that, not you. And so when God decides that and send you where he wants you to, God will order that pastor to minister to you as you have need. Because that pastor don't know what you have need of. That pastor don't sleep with you. He don't live with you. He don't know what's going on every day of the week in your life. He don't know what you got to deal with. So he can't possibly minister to you on his own. But God knows. And because God knows, God will send you to the pastor that he's using to speak to you regarding your life. And that's the way it works. Uh-huh. And so if we're going to be unified and be one body, we're going to have to flow together. We're going to have to grow up and mature in Christ. Uh-huh. That's what we're going to have to do. This is 2020. We're going to have to step it up a little bit more. If we just continue to lay back and say, well, and all the excuses we make, we remain babes in Christ, immature and not growing, which means God have no use for you. Because babies only can be catered to and babies can't be used to do anything. That's what babies are. So if you don't grow up, it means you are being a baby. And God is like, all right, I got to move on. I can't worry about you right now because you can't help the kingdom of God. And so in order for us to come become one with Christ, we first have to mimic his passion. If we're going to be one with Christ, we have to mimic, follow his passion. What's his passion? His passion, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so his passion was people. Our passion must be Christ, then people. We have to have that passion bubbling and moving us to say, I want to please him and I want to reach people. The greatest commandment that God has given us. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. When you can do those two things, you are doing what God wants you to do. So we can't just back up and think our passion is just for God. Our passion is God and people. God and people. 
The second thing we need to do to be one with Christ is to obey his plan. The plan starts with your salvation. Repent. Be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you. And to your children. And to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's the plan to start you off. Then the plan moving forward now is his mission, your mission. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Obey his plan. And the third thing and final thing, if you're going to be one with Christ, fulfill your purpose in him. He created you for a purpose. You've got a purpose. And it's not just to make money. It's not just to take care of your family. It's not just to look good. I know you look good because you do look good. But that's not the purpose. The purpose you will find out if you keep obeying his plan, he will reveal his purpose. A lot of times we want God to show us the purpose. But in order for you to be effective in the purpose... You're going to have to go through the fire and go through the flood. You're going to have to go through some things in order to find out your purpose in Christ. We want to get saved and say, now show me my purpose. And God is saying, I got to raise you up. You got to, you, I got to get you mature before I can reveal your purpose. Because if I reveal it before time, you will run like crazy. God never shows us how things will happen. He just tells us what will happen. He don't show us how to make the hot dog. He just tell us that we will have hot dogs. And so you got to realize that about God. So he is trying to get us to understand that we have a purpose. But the purpose will not be revealed to you until you are ready and you can handle the purpose. Which means you got to keep on following until he decides, I'm going to reveal to you what I need you to do. I want you all to bring the communion table as we get ready to do our communion. The Apostle Paul used communion to bring unity to the body of Christ. So for the longest we think of communion as I need to get better and I need to do this. But the Apostle Paul wanted us to understand communion as the thing right across. The thing that, just like that, perfect. The thing that will unify us. And so I want you to understand today that we need to be unified in Christ. We need to be unified as a people, and that's the purpose today of our communion, to remember what he has done for us, but to bring us closer together. God died that we may become a body. It's interesting how I'm reading and I'm realizing how 
the communion as far as bringing us together in unity is so important. So what God did was God says, if you all are my body, then when you partake of my body, then you become one with me and one with each other. Think about it. If we're all taking a part of his body, we become one with him. And so the scripture says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he betrayed, he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. 25. After the same manner, also he took the cup. Then he had sup. When he had sup, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. And so, I'll tell you, Years ago, I got frightened a little bit when um, the preachers talked about if you take this communion and you're not right, blah, 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 blah. Well, let me tell you what the right was, because Paul was dealing with the people, the Corinthians people. And what he was really saying is communion is supposed to unite us. And if you are doing things to divide us then you're taking it unworthily and then now you bring stuff up on yourself and that's going to make your body get weak or you can get sick or all of this stuff. That's what he was saying. It wasn't talking about you just so unrighteous and you can't take this. No, 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 no. We can repent of sins. So we never have to worry about sins. We can repent and turn away from our sins. We can do that. But what we, what we have to really look closely at is we can think that we're okay and still causing disunity. Still arguing with one another and still taking pot shots at one another, which will cause division. So what you don't want to do in taking this communion is have it in your heart to cause division. Is have it in your heart to be argumentative with anyone because you bring condemnation on yourself. And so we have... Some of you might um, not take communion today, but sorry. So we have communion. And so this, this was bothering me a lot. And I, and I try to go as close as I can to Bible. And so we have over here some communion cups with the wafers. And that's what we normally do. But every time you read it, I feel a little bit cut to the core when you read it. And it says... That when you when you go in, um, I think it was Matthew 26, um, the Last Supper, and it says he broke. I feel bad just flicking up the um, communion cup thing. Because I'm like, we're not breaking no bread. So today I'm going to break bread, and you might say, preacher, your hands clean? I'm hoping they clean for you. But I got to break bread, because that's what the Lord says. So I went and got a loaf of bread this morning. I can't help myself. 
Y'all know what kind of preacher this is now, right? Like I, I'm trying to obey the scriptures close as I can. I'm not trying to just make stuff up. So here's what I want for you to do. Just like how we took offering, I want you to march around.